1: sort of a, a quarter of our GDP is made up of iron ore exports. So so we've got some buffers here and, and it'll be interesting to see how they interplay to supporting the equity market.
2: So we're not riding on the sheet's back, we're riding on iron ore's back.
1: Iron ore and gold, 100%, there's no doubt about it. And uh, when you look at record amounts of iron ore being shipped out of Port Headland to China, when you look at the effects of COVID in terms of where it is in, in Brazil uh, and also also for copper as well, um, You know, you can see the effects of some of these... Our commodities are actually being very, very strong.
2: Hi, it's journalist Caroline Stephen. Australia is officially in a recession. So what does that mean for your trading? Well, today we speak to our chief economist, Jonathan Barrett, on Talking Trading to get the inside scoop of the Australian economy and which sectors are performing during COVID-19. We also have a segment on Hetty Green, who was America's richest woman at the turn of the 19th century, and five lessons from Hetty about investing. And Louise Bedford today recommends five movies for budding traders. Here's Louise now.
0: I think you should watch movies to inspire you. So, what gets your blood pumping? I can give you a few of my favourites from a trading perspective. The first one is Joy. It stars Jennifer Lawrence and she has such a great entrepreneurial spirit. Her message is don't give up. So for the female traders especially, you will love Joy. The standard also is trading places. This is about the Pygmalion effect or the My Fair Lady effect. It talks about a trader who is played by Eddie Murphy, and I think it's the best Eddie Murphy role ever, and the importance of environment and support for traders to succeed. You've gotta watch that, especially if you have a spouse who's not really sure about this trading caper. Movies can be an easy way to break down those barriers. Also, add to your list the first Wall Street movie, and The Wolf of Wall Street. It talks about power and pain and testosterone in the markets and it is a great way to be able to make sure that your emotions are in check and that you're not displaying those out of control methods implemented in the movie. And the other big one is called The Big Short, The History of the Global Financial Crisis. It's a terrific movie. You might have to watch it once or twice to catch on to all of the specifics there. So they're my recommendations. Joy, Trading Places, Wall Street and The Wolf of Wall Street and The Big Short. John O'Barrett, on March
2: 20th, Australia went into shutdown because of COVID-19. What have been the effects on the Australian economy?
1: Caroline, look, at the moment, we don't really know the full extent uh, of what's actually happening, but major concerns. I think the key that people are going to be really focused on is what happens when the job keep and all that start to roll off in September. Now, we've had a little bit of a buffer in there because uh, some businesses have been able to, to perform. So I think it's going to be very key watching when all that starts to roll off um, and to see the actual effects. Obviously, we're in recession. The key is whether or not that will progress into something else. So that was
2: my next question. Is that what you'd say? We are in a recession? What stage of the economic cycle are we
1: in? We're in a recession. um, I think there's no doubt about that. The key that a lot of people are focusing on now is, you know, how deep this recession will be, how long it will be. When you look at the announcements from the Treasury, it all looks pretty negative there. But to be an optimist, we've got to sort of try and work out you know, what are the meanings of, of, of the new supply-side economics that they want to put in? How is that going to affect the economy? And how soon will we actually be able to, uh, to pull out of, this, um, out of this slowdown?
2: What defines a recession?
1: Uh, just uh, a couple of quarters of negative growth. Um, that's all it is. If it continues to come in, then it, we call it a depression. But I don't think anyone wants to, to do that. And I think Australia is in a, in a very interesting position. Um, and, and you can see that by how some of the commodities have actually been trading. So we're actually quite unique and, and we could actually be quite resilient um, you know, to actually what what unfolds over the course of the coming months.
2: So we are in a gold rush. Gold's in a bull market.
1: Mm. Yeah, Caroline, there's a couple of key commodities here which are a play, which will help the Australian market. It'll also be interesting to see how the companies start to report. Now, obviously, we're coming to that reporting period. So those companies that are exposed to gold, those companies that are exposed to iron ore, they're the ones, I think, that will be able to, so to speak, carry Australia. Uh, if you look at iron ore, sort of a, a quarter of our GDP is made up of iron ore exports. So, so we've got some buffers here, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they interplay to support into the equity market.
2: So we're not riding on the sheet's back, we're riding on iron ore's
1: back. Iron ore and gold, 100%, there's no doubt about it. And uh, When you look at record amounts of iron ore being shipped out of Port Hadland to China, when you look at the effects of COVID in terms of where it is in Brazil, uh, and also also for copper as well, um, you know, you can see the effects of some of these uh, commodities are actually being very, very strong as a result of COVID issues in other parts of the country, other parts of the world. But in Australia, it's actually supported prices for these commodities, which have enabled some of these mining stocks to actually behave quite bullishly.
2: Can you give specifics of which mining stocks are performing well right now?
1: Absolutely. You just what you have to do is really look at across the majors, your BHP, your RIOs, Fortescue, record highs. Um, you know, these are, these are very positive, strong moves. Um, China has, has come out, although we do have some um, political issues at the moment. But at the end of the day, um, all our iron ore has gone and been absorbed by China. And, and we're feeling the effects of that. So, so it's actually been quite positive. The, the equity market has been held up. I think, by a lot of these, uh, by the iron ore market, by the precious metal market, the copper market. So I think we've been, um, we've been buffeted quite nicely um, you know, by the effects of these prices moving higher.
2: Talking about politics, if there is a change of government in the United States in November and Joe Biden and the Democrats win, what does that spell for Wall Street and the US?
1: Look, I think once again, a very interesting question. I think one idiot goes in, another idiot goes in. One gun goes out, one goes in. Um, look, very hard, very hard, and I think it's very hard too because when you look at the politics, the politics of the day, you know, you have one person, uh, you know, the, the Trump administration, and I actually feel the next administration, if it's not Trump, will be an administration will just be mending, um, mending process of all the harm that's actually being done. So, so I think if anything, there the next administration, let's hope, uh, let's see who it is. But uh, yeah, if it is a Biden, then it's all about being creating that global trade again that has been absolutely decimated, um, you know, through the Trump administration.
2: Can you spell out some of the decimation that has happened to the global trade under Trump?
1: Yeah, look, I, I, it's across the board. It, it's sort of, it's, a, it's 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 winning by division. Um, and I think that's what we've actually seen with the Trump administration. You know, if you don't have the answer, then create an argument. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, there are the right things that have been occurred and the wrong things. And I think that one thing that Trump has delivered to the global economic market is he wants more of a level playing field. And, and he's really sung that tune very strongly. Now, he's gone too far, perhaps. And I think a lot of commentators would say that. So really, it's now coming, bringing you back in, making sure that that's secure for the American economy is also fair for the Chinese economy. They need each other. So they've just got to come to the table and come up with something that works for the global economy.
2: How's Europe performing?
1: Um, look, I think Europe in itself, once again, big issues there. A lot of debt, as we know. Um, you know, there has been some big issues there. Uh, look, it, it's sort of once, once again, I think you look at Germany as the lead economy there. It's one economy that, that is quite resilient. But, but I think the, the big problem we're all going to see is how do, how, do we, how do we keep interest rates so low? How do we keep economies stimulated? You know, once, at the end of the day, the cost of money will have to go up somewhere along the line. And we still don't know that. I think one of the interesting take homes in this is how many people out there have actually traded in a bear market? And how do you trade in a bear market? And uh, I'm showing my age a little bit here because uh, I have been in one and, um, and, and there are certain techniques that you, you have to look for.
2: Oh, that could be for another interview. Let's talk about the housing market. What do you think the Australian housing market's going to do?
1: Look, it's pockets. One of the interesting things and actually talking to um, you know, a couple of auctioneers um, where, where I sort of had a, a discussion with them actually about this. Um, they said, look, prices are, are still relatively okay. The, the cheapness of the money are allowing people to, to buy and afford the price prices that they want. Those people that have the okays from the bank to actually buy uh, are actually bidding for some properties in very select areas. Prices are quite stable uh, and if not, sort of some of them are actually moving higher. Now, I know that's quite optimistic and generally we can see the market is, is, is uh, suppressed and, and that will probably continue. Um, and I think it will continue for the short term, but at the end of the day, you know, there are more people chasing less property. So that should stabilize selectively in some areas.
2: Okay, so we're in a bear market, perhaps. What advice would you give to traders?
1: Um, Look, I think it's, once again, it's it's creating that value and looking for those areas where there are value. You know, it might be stock specific, it could be sector specific. You know, it's sort of, you know, you can say, you can look at it, well, I'm not going to be going in airlines too quickly, but does it represent good value down the track? You know, know, iron ore, well, has that already had its move? Well, it it has. So I think it's been more sector-specific at the moment and having that long-term goal. If you are going to spend some money in equity markets, make sure you don't spend all of it. Spend a little bit, just little bits and pieces. Would you go into the silver market at this level? It's already up 1% today. Um, You know, you can, but you've selectively got to go in it. You can't go boots and all. You have to slowly baby steps into the market and make sure you have your stops or where you know you have to exit the market. Volatility is there. It will be there. So just lower the amount you actually trade with.
2: No, no Barrett, thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, Caroline, no problems. Hi, I'm Rick Schnabel. I'm the author
2: of The Power of Beliefs, and I listen to Talking Trading.
0: Louise Bedford here. Curious about the Trading Game Mentor Program? Want to dip your toe into the water so you can learn how to trade every instrument over every time frame with your very own trading plan? You need to register for priority notification by going to tradinggame.com.au slash priority right now. I'm giving away a heap of free trading resources plus you'll get the ability to book into our very next mentor program before everyone else. Go to tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority and register right now so you can be a part of it all.
2: And now here are five investing lessons from Hetty Green, who was also known as the Witch of Wall Street. Hetty Green was known as the richest woman in America during the late 19th century. She made the vast majority of her $100 million fortune, which is $2.3 billion in today's terms, herself, by investing in railroads, bonds, mining stocks. She also provided loans to cash strapped businesses and even bailed out the city of New York on several occasions. But high society did not know what to make of Green, despite having all the makings of a socialite, a huge fortune, even a direct bloodline to the Mayflower settlers. Green preferred to dress plainly, in Black Quaker style, and conduct business with men. And all of this garnered her the epithet of the Witch of Wall Street. Here are five lessons we can learn from Hetty Green about investing. Number one, teach girls about business. Green once said that American women would be much happier if they learned the principles of business in girlhood. Green's family made their initial fortune by owning a successful whaling fleet. When Hetty's grandfather's eyesight began to fail, he asked her to read him books and newspaper articles, as well as stock quotes and commodity prices. And Hetty proved to be a precocious learner. And she later said that this was how she learnt her initial business methods. Number two, go against the grain. Hetty Green once said, There's no great secret in fortune making. All you do is buy cheap and sell dear. One of Green's earliest investments was buying undervalued currency in the post-Civil War period. With the devastation of the South, people worried about the stability of the government And they refused to pay face value for the greenbacks. Instead, they rushed to gold. As the value of the greenbacks sank lower and lower, Green scooped up more and more, confident that they would recover their value in time, which they did. Lesson 3 Do Your Homework. Green earned much of her vast fortune by making smart, well timed railroad investments. After the American Civil War, railroad construction boomed. And recognising the important role that railroads would play in the nation's future, Green invested heavily in them, putting her knowledge of shipping routes and trade logistics into play. By 1875, a sophisticated railroad system bridged towns and cities in the USA. By this time, Green and her contemporaries, such as J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie and Commodore Vanderbilt, made a fortune in U.S. railroads. Lesson four, keep a cool head. Green did not sweat the sell-offs. In the first few years of the 20th century, the USA experienced an economic boom. Investors borrowed money to buy stocks and real estate, and the cost of borrowing rose. Green at the time acted as a major purchaser and lender. As she said, I buy things when they're low and no one wants them. I keep them until they go up, and people are crazy to get them. As rates rose, she said more and more of the most solid men on Wall Street came to me begging to unload everything from their palatial mansions to their automobiles. They came to me in droves, Hetty Green recalled. Some of them I lent money to, and some of them I didn't. That was my privilege. Lesson 5 Stand your ground and be true to yourself. Being a woman put Green at a huge disadvantage as an investor and a financier at a time when few legal protections existed for a woman with assets. But Green was not afraid to defend what was rightfully hers to the court or in the press. And whilst her critics decried her as stingy and weird, the reality was that Green earned the reputation because she breached the boundaries of proper womanhood at the time. Not only did she make an enormous sum of money, but she behaved like a man in doing so. And Green's behaviour was considered unacceptable for a woman of her class. Green died in 1916, four years before women received the right to vote In the USA. She is still remembered as one of the richest women in America. And as the witch of Wall Street. Which lessons from Hetty did you relate to? And that's all for today, folks. Stay tuned next episode to hear business coach and intuitive Cray Wilson. I'm Caroline Stephen. Take care. Stay safe. See you next week. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big, fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au If you'd like to get Louisa's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are generally nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.